Good morning, church. How we doing this morning? I see someone in the back. It is Pastor Matt looking for all the junior hires. So if you're a junior in junior high in here, you can head back to a special service that we have just for you. You can go ahead and head back. Come on, let's give it up for the worship team this morning. Didn't they do a great job? All right. Because I have the microphone, I'm just going to make one simple request. It wouldn't be a bad thing to have a little more ham and organ. Am I right? Okay. All right. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Some more ham and organ would be okay. Just saying. So, hey, if you're, if you're new around here or maybe, you know, you've been a couple times and you're trying to figure, figure out kind of who we are and what we're all about, I want to personally invite you to Next Steps today. It actually happens during our second service. So you've already been able to attend this service. If you want to hang around, you can uh, participate in Next Steps. It's actually going to be happening right out there in the lobby at 11 o'clock. It's basically a way for you. It's, it's the bridge to get connected to the life of our church. And one of the things you're going to learn about us really quickly as we, as we discuss our church is our desire for you to get connected. We don't believe that just attending church services is what God intended. We believe that's part of it. We think God intended for you to join a family, to, to, to not be on the sidelines, but to get in the game and be involved. Come on, somebody. Let's, let's give Jesus some praise for the purpose that he's put in all of us. He's given us gifts. He's given us talents, and he wants us to use them in the body of Christ. So if you want to get connected today, Next Steps is a great way to do so. We also have groups coming up right around the corner and I'm excited about this fall season that we're in. We're going to be starting a brand new series next week. So tell your friends, tell those folks that, that maybe aren't, uh, that don't have a home church that we're starting a series next week called, What Do You Do When You Don't Know What to Do? <laughs> that's the series we're going to start next week. I think that's a, a statement that maybe resonates a little bit with the season that we've been in is we've had some situations happen and we may not necessarily have all the answers we may not know exactly what to do, but there are some things that we know to do, right? So we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. You don't want to miss that new series starting next week. Well, let's pray, and we're going to uh, finish out this series today. Lord Jesus, we just welcome you here. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We just ask that you would have your way this morning, that you would speak to us, that you would reveal something new to us that we've never uh, realized before so that we can leave here changed and being challenged to grow into further into your kingdom. So we love you. We give this time to you. We put it before you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. So we've been in this series, Who is God? And, and in some instances, we've talked about attributes, character. We've, we've talked about some of the names of God. And the thing that I've been thinking about throughout this series is that the, the, the word tells us that we were made in his image, we are image bearers of God. So if you think about that for a minute, you begin to realize that there's a lot of parallels in life that actually tell us a lot about who God is. So some things that we experience in this life and some of the ways that we look at things and some of the ways that we think, you can actually find God's, God's image working in and through you. You know, I think about my kids. I think about when my, when my first uh, child was born. Anybody remember that moment where you had that first child? It's, it's one of those things where it's the happiest day of your life, but it's also a moment where you're like, what do I do now? Uh, 
and, and, you, and you think about them as babies and you're, you're feeding them, you got to give them bottles, you got to change their diapers, you know, and, 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 and with the first kid, it's like you change that diaper as soon as the line turns blue, all right? But by the time you get to number five, it's like, we're going to wait till that thing hits the ground before we change it because diapers are expensive. They'll be fine. But as they begin to grow, the expectations change, right? You, you, the way that you coach them and train them and raise them up begins to change. Your expectations begin to grow, right? Because in the first couple years, you're just trying to teach them things like, no, don't do that. Don't stick your finger in that electrical socket. Like, like the, the, the bar is pretty low. You're, you're raising them up. But as they grow on, they begin to have meaningful conversations with you, and you begin to train them and teach them in the way that they should go. So as they grow, the expectations for what you expect of them begins to grow as well. And again, I find a parallel in, in raising children with the way that our Father God raises us. So I want to go to a scripture today. We're actually going to talk about one of the names of God this morning in Exodus 31, in verse 13, where it says, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, say that phrase with me, above all, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. So I want to talk for just a minute about Jehovah Mekodishkim, the Lord who sanctifies you. This is the place where we see that pop up, and then we actually see throughout Scripture how God has a desire to sanctify you. Now, in many instances, that's, that's not necessarily a word that we use a lot. It's not a word that we, that we use in our regular vocabulary, so I want to break it down a little bit. But I do want to highlight the Sabbath, because in Mark 2, when Jesus is teaching, he says, hey, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So it's one of those commandments where he's actually saying, hey, like, I actually made this to benefit your life. It's not just a rule that you have to follow. It's not just because I said so. <laughs> it's because I want you to actually have a good life. I want you to get the rest that you need. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to be productive. And in order to do that, there's some things that you've got to do. And so I think when he mentions uh, back in Exodus, this verse about the Sabbath, which is made for us, he also mentions this idea of sanctification. The Sabbath was for our benefit. Now, to, to, to just give you a little, maybe a little um, explanation on this word sanctify, I just pulled up the, the definition where it says set apart as or declare holy, consecrate, or to free from sin, to purify, Right, so I want to, can I get just a little bit theological for a second, um, just so that we understand. When we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, when we actually ask him to come into our life, when we commit ourselves to God, we are then becoming justified. In that moment, God, God forgives us of all of our sin. He applies the blood of Jesus to our life, where we then now are spiritually alive for the very first time, and we are justified. And there is a sanctification that happens in that moment where we are washed clean. But then there's another aspect of sanctification that goes on, and that's where we use that word most often is sanctification, which is I'm saved, but I got, a, I got some stuff to work out. Can anybody relate to that this morning? When you got saved, all your problems didn't just go away. You actually had some things you had to work out. So when we talk about discipleship, 
I would often use the phrase sanctification. We are, we are saved. We are, we are in the family of God. But he, got, he has some expectations for us. He has some things that he wants us to do to live the life that he's called us to live. And I would say it like this, that salvation is not the destination. Salvation is the very beginning. Can I get an amen? It's the starting point. It's not where we're supposed to arrive. It's the beginning of this journey. And I, I love this, I love this, uh, this representation of, of how our life works uh, it's called the Engel scale. I've, I've, I've shown it before. I'm going to show it again today because I think it really applies. That everybody's in a different place, right? We're all in different places. And so this, this individual drew out this spectrum just to give us a mental picture of kind of negative five all the way to five. And it's this idea that, that at negative five, it kind of represents like, man, this is when we're far from God. Like we, maybe we're, we've, we've been in a place before, before we knew God, where it's like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. I don't understand this. I don't want to have anything to do with church, right? But over time, what we hope happens is that as seeds get planted and, and you begin to maybe come to a realization to some things in your life, you start to move closer towards considering Jesus, Right? And then when you finally receive Jesus, it's kind of like this, this middle point here in the spectrum where it's like, okay, you've crossed over from death to life. You've received Jesus, and now you're, you're at this place where it's not the destination, it's really just the beginning because what we hope happens over a period of time is that you become spiritually mature. That's the goal. And so some of us, maybe we're at the one mark. Maybe, maybe for some of us, we're at the three mark. And, and maybe for some of us, we think we're at five, but we're more like a, point, a 0. 0.5. Or maybe we are a one, in, in fact. But this theme of growing and being sanctified actually happened. It's displayed all throughout Scripture. In 1 Peter 2, where Peter's teaching, he says, Just like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that it may grow up into salvation. He's not using that word meaning being saved as we understand it. He's talking about being sanctified, growing, developing. All right? And then Paul takes it a step further in 1 Corinthians 3 where he says, I gave you milk, not solid food, meaning there's something more than just milk. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. So he was speaking to this church and saying, yeah, I get it. Like the, the milk is good, but at some point you've got to move on to, to the deeper things. You've got to move on to the solid food. He actually says in here, some of you by now should be teaching. Okay. And then in 2 Timothy, I'm just building a case here. In 2 Timothy 2, he says, those who cleanse themselves from the latter, he's, he's teaching about some things that perhaps we need to move away from now that we've received Jesus, will be instruments for special purposes. I don't know about you, but I want to be involved in the special purposes of the kingdom, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. 
So again, I just want to clarify that we're not talking about salvation. Don't confuse giving your life to Jesus with, with what we're talking about today because what can happen is you begin to, to, to buy into this works mentality where I have, to, I have to do all the right things for God to be pleased with me. I have to do all the right things to stay in good standing. No, you're in good standing from the moment you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. What we're talking about is growing into the person that God meant for you to be. Now, in addition to that, this message really is very practical. It has many spiritual implications, and, and, and what I'm excited about is that I, this, this is as equally valuable in your personal life as it is in your spiritual life. Quite frankly, they're not, they're not as far different than you may think, but, but this, this message applies on the spiritual front. It applies on the, the vocation front. It just applies in many different areas of your life. So if you're a note taker, I want you to take some notes today or, or whatever works for you. Maybe you just snap some pictures of some of the screens here as these points come up, but I really want you to take this. I want you to run with it. Uh, in my years of training and trying to learn how to be a better person and how to grow into what God uh, has for me, I've, I've, all these points have, have become really real to me and have been part of what I consider a priority in my life. The first thing I want to I make very clear, we're talking about this journey. We're talking about you've received Jesus you understand that there's some things you need to grow in, some things you need to change. Uh, some, some, you know, Paul talks about running your race, so, do, so doing those calisthenics that are necessary for you to run your race appropriately. The first thing is, I need you to make a decision today. Choose to never arrive. Make the decision that you've never, you're never going to arrive. Because the moment that you think you've arrived... You think you're good to go. I'm good to go at this point. I've crossed the line. I just get to ride this thing out. I've learned enough. I've grown enough. Like, I think I've kind of arrived here. I, I think I'm kind of where I'm supposed to be. But let me remind you this morning, your destination is eternal. So as long as you're here on this earth and you're breathing, you're not there yet. Any, have you ever tried to lead somebody who's thought that they have arrived? Proverbs has something to say about this, as it often does. 8.33, where it says, Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. And that's ultimately what we do when we think we're there. When we think we've gone far enough, we begin to neglect the information that people and the Lord, quite frankly, is trying to deliver to us. So the foundation for this whole message is I need you to choose to never arrive. Next thing I would say is this, never stop learning. Never stop learning. You know, I have a hard time reading. It's just one of those things I don't really like it. And I envy those people who, like, they love to read. They just read through book after book after book. And I'm like, man, I just want to watch Netflix for a while. Like, I don't want to read so I have this daily struggle, like, I need to be reading things. I, of course, reading my Bible, it's, it's something that I do, but I, I want to be reading books, and I, instead of all the TV and all the news and all the social media, I'd much rather be reading a good book. I just don't like it. So <laughs> if you want to pray for me on that front, but it's, it is critical that we never stop learning. Proverbs eighteen fifteen says, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge. So actually, the sign of intelligence is not how much you know. It's actually your desire to, to, to know more. An intelligent person acquires knowledge. The ear of the wise 
seeks knowledge. That's an active verb, seeking knowledge. I I know that there's so much more that I don't know. I want to learn as much as I can because I'm hungry to learn. That is the the makings of an intelligent person. So we're going to choose never to arrive. We're going to never stop learning. I love what Lou Holtz says. He says, when you stop growing, you start dying. We live in a world that is moving at a speed that probably we never thought was possible. Things are changing and moving incredibly fast. And if you're not a person who's dependent on learning and growing, you're going to get left in the dust. So we're going to never stop learning. The next thing we're going to never do is we're never going to compare. We're never going to compare. Can I tell you, nothing good comes from comparison. Nothing. Nothing comes good from comparison. Galatians 6 says, But let each one test his own work, and then his, re- and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. In other words, as I grow and as I accomplish something, I can take a moment and say, Man, that's awesome. Like, I'm really glad that I learned that. I'm really glad that I moved into this next phase. There's something I can be proud of, but the moment I begin to say, but what about over here? Or what about over there? You immediately find out a few things. And, 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 and honestly, I would say there's two things that come from comparison. Pride and discouragement. <laughs> That's your only choice. Because you're going to compare to somebody who's not doing it as good, and you're like, man, I'm kind of the man right now. Like, I'm doing really good. But then you look over on the other side and you see somebody who's crushing it in a way that you haven't before, and all of a sudden you're like, hmm. So never compare yourself. Jesus doesn't expect you to compare to anybody else. He expects you to be successful in your own life, in your own situation. President Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. And the last time I checked, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if we're comparing ourselves to other people, we're literally draining ourselves of the the strength that we need to live the life that we've been called to live. I'm just trying to get real practical today. Choose to never arrive. You're never going to arrive until the day before you stand face-to-face with Jesus. All right? We're never going to stop learning. Again, this is spiritually true, This is true in your own life. There's so many things that God wants to reveal to us, but we have to be willing and ready to seek knowledge, to learn and grow in the things of God. We never need to compare ourselves. Comparison leads to pride or discouragement. That's really the only way that it goes. And then the last thing I just want to say is is never give up. Never give up. Now, I'm going to read one of the most popular verses that most of us in this room have probably heard. We know it. Maybe we can quote it. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You ever been tired of doing good? It's just not working out the way you thought. And so at some point you say, man, like, I just don't know if this is worth it. I don't know if it's worth it. 
I'm doing some good things, but it didn't meet my expectations. I kind of just want to give up. I'd rather just kind of sit off to the sideline and just kind of just exist for a little while. I read this story this week. I thought it was really interesting. There was a man by the name of R.U. Darby. And this man was alive during the gold rush that was happening in America. So he saw this, this idea of like, man, I can, I can migrate out west. There's gold apparently everywhere. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my equipment ready. I'm going to go for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out west. I'm going to start digging and I'm going to find me some gold. And you can replace gold with whatever you want. That, that promotion you're looking for, the next level in your discipleship, growing closer to Jesus. So he gets, he gets his stuff together. He goes out west. He starts digging and going through the motions of trying to find this, this gold that's in there. And they, they found some promising things. I guess there's some, there's some things that you come across on the way that tell you that you're, you're, you're kind of getting close, that you, you just might actually be close. So they kept digging and they kept digging and they kept digging. But those signs, those symptoms begin to stop. So now they're just digging dirt, and they're like, man, I don't know about this. Like, I don't know if this is worth it. Like, there's this promise of getting gold, but, I, man, I feel like we're just digging for no reason. You ever felt like you're underground just digging? <laughs> so they're digging, and they're digging, and finally one day he came to this conclusion that, man, this just isn't worth it. So they think about it, they consider it, and they decide, you know what, we're just going to give up. This was, this was a pipe dream. This wasn't realistic. You know, there's not as much gold apparently as we thought. So let's try to recoup our money. Let's, let's sell our stuff. Let's get rid of it. And, and let's just kind of go back home and, and, and I'll do something else. So he sells his equipment to a, a junk, a junker, whatever you call that, where they people buy junk and try to resell it. So they, they sell it to this, this junker. And so this person, he got the equipment for a couple hundred dollars, and he, he then said, okay, maybe I'll give it a shot. So he went to an engineer who actually went to that mine and actually investigated it, and he came back to me and said, as far as I can tell, you're just a few feet away from gold. So he gets all his equipment, he goes down there, they start digging, and three feet in, they struck gold. He just had three feet to go. But he gave up, sold his gear, and somebody else benefited him from all that hard work. So word gets back to him that, hey, you are three feet away, and that guy that you sold that to stuff is a millionaire now. And so he then probably sulked and mourned for months. That's what I would have done. And he learned from his mistake and started an insurance business. And that experience motivated him to be okay with a hundred no's to get those few yeses. So he became a very successful businessman who sold millions of dollars of life insurance and ended up being successful. But I, I bring that analogy just to, maybe, maybe just to encourage you this morning. Maybe you're closer than you think. Maybe you're closer than you think. That, that dream that God's put in your heart, that that promotion that you've been chasing, that, that, that thing in your life that you're trying to do to grow, you're trying to move forward, but maybe you just feel like quitting this morning. And I think one of the most critical 
life decisions you'll ever make is to decide that you're not going to give up. You're not going to give up. So as, as people who are in the body of Christ, we're in this different kingdom. We do have lives outside of that. But at the end of the day, I want to challenge you this morning. Choose to never arrive. It's never, you're never as good as you think you are, and you're never as bad as you think you are. It's usually somewhere in the middle. Choose to never arrive. Never stop learning. When you read your Bible, you're reading it to learn and to grow and to have God just pour new things into you every day. This isn't a devotional. This is your life. Never stop learning. Never compare yourself. You don't have to look very far to find someone who's doing it better than you. And by the way, that'll never change. You will always find somebody who can do it better than you. So never stop learning. Never compare. And never give up. Don't give up. So why don't we bow our heads for just a moment and You know, when we think about God sanctifying us, I think we think about Him sanctifying us. Like it's His action on us to sanctify us. But I would, I would actually challenge that and say, in order for Him to sanctify you, you have to put your hands to the plow. You have to work. You have to seek. You have to grow. You have to learn. Because my experience hasn't been that, that he just drops things in our laps. He's good, he's gracious, he's loving, but he expects us to work. He expects us to grow. So sanctification is a two-way street. We, we work, we learn, we grow, we push, and in response to that, there's a commanded blessing on our life. So maybe you're sitting here this morning and you would you would come to the conclusion that kind of just been existing a little bit. Not pushing, not growing, not learning. Just kind of just maintaining. Maintaining. And it's really been challenging not to do that in the environment that we're in now. It's been very easy to just maintain because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's around the corner. I just want to encourage us back to this place this morning of saying, no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to go get this. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to work. I'm going to learn. I'm not going to compare myself. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to press on. Because my father is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Or maybe you're here this morning and you would say, doing pretty well in my life, but I, my relationship with God is not really there. Maybe that relationship has grown cold. It's not alive. Maybe you feel the Lord just tugging at your heart this morning and say, hey, I'm still here. I still want to be in relationship with you. I I want you to draw near to me because if you'll do that, I'll draw near to you. 
So wherever you are this morning, there's some decisions that most of us need to make. Or maybe you're here this morning and you would, you would admit that you've never really given your life to Jesus. You've never given your life to God. So none of this really matters without having made that decision to give Jesus your life. And Romans 10.9 says, hey, if you just declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Another place in scripture where God just says, hey, we can settle this today. We can settle this right now. Just give me your life. Just, just press in and I'll do something amazing and incredible and more than you could ever ask or imagine. So I'm gonna pray for all of us here in just a second, but maybe for you, you need to embrace pushing, working, seeking, growing. Or maybe you're here and you need to re-engage in your relationship with God. Or maybe you're here and you need to initiate a relationship with God. I want to pray for you. And I want you to know that we're here for you. If you have prayer needs, you have concerns, let us know. We're here for you. But ultimately, God wants to see you thrive. He wants to see you grow. He wants to see you fulfill that purpose that he put in you when you were in your mother's womb. Let me pray for you. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for what you're doing, Lord. We, we thank you that this morning you're softening our hearts. You're, you're bringing us back to yourself. You, you're so loving to us, Lord. You're so encouraging to us. You don't condemn us. You lovingly correct us. So we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you how this, this time together is going to make a difference in our lives. That you're going to take this and you're going to put this in our hearts and in our minds and even this week you're going to begin to speak to us about about your word what, what your word says and what your plan is for our lives so we thank you for what you're doing we thank you lord that you have an interest in our lives that you want to see our lives change you want to see us grow you want to see us be sanctified set apart prepared to do any good work so this morning we worship you we celebrate you. We are grateful for what you've done in our lives, Lord. You're amazing. You've done amazing things in our lives. Help us not to forget that you've saved us. You brought us from death to life, from shame to glory, from mourning to dancing. We thank you. We worship you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's celebrate this morning. Woo!